Thank you for downloading this sermon from Grace Presbyterian Church. Grace is a church where people seeking more grace, more depth, and more community can start finding their way and sharing their gifts with the world. You can follow us online at graceforsufalls.org. I don't know if I've ever talked to you before about my uncle. He was in the military. He was a major in the army. He served at Fort Polk in Louisiana. He was an MP, a military policeman. When you went to Fort Polk, they had tanks at the entrance and helicopters. That made him my coolest uncle because he got to play with that stuff all the time. I remember visiting him at the military base, going to the PX, which is what they called the store, and he bought for me a a camouflage outfit. They called them BDUs, battle dress uniforms. And after I had one, I wore it daily, every day. So I was prepared for action. It was awesome. This was back in the 80s, so it was that wonderful woodland camouflage pattern. Not the digital stuff now, but the classic woodland pattern. Ripstop cotton that has the little uh, uh, threads in it, the little squares so that you can't really rip it up. So, so when you're wearing an outfit like that, you're ready for basically anything. And so I, I wore it constantly, T-shirt underneath my my battle dress uniform with sneakers, but but camouflage everywhere else. So if I was hiding myself, you could have seen my shoes, maybe my shirt, but the rest would have been concealed. But what I didn't know was I had a cousin who was in the process of being recruited into the military, and the recruiter had come to, to pay a visit to him as I was approaching his house. So I was walking into my cousin's house wearing my camouflage outfit as the actual military recruiter walked out wearing his camouflage outfit. And, and I, I didn't say, hey, high five, it's really cool. I got kind of nervous. Because, you know, in my slovenly way, I was wearing the same outfit. And he walked right up to me and, and, and in a loud voice asked what branch I served in. And I started getting nervous, uh, not knowing, like, if there was, like, a literature branch or anything like that that, that I could fool him with. And, and I literally couldn't say anything. Like, I was frozen in panic. And then he started laughing because, of course, he was messing with me uh, I didn't realize it, but people could tell by looking that I served in no branch of the military. I wasn't fooling anyone. Like, there was a difference between the the outward appearance and the inner man, right? The outward appearance may have changed when I put on the camouflage suit, but the inner man was still as, as soft and harmless as he had ever been. That's one of those lessons you learn in life, and maybe the first time you're confronted with it, it feels like wisdom, like you've really gained some insight. But but essentially, it's just saying you can't judge a book by its cover, right? It's a cliche. It's so obvious. But we're always learning this lesson, right? As you grow up, as you mature, you're always discovering there's these judgments that you've made, and you actually can't count on those things. You can't judge by outward appearance, right? Not everyone with a badge is trustworthy. Not everyone with a stethoscope can do brain surgery on you. Not everyone who has the Jesus fish on their bumper can be trusted not to cut you off in traffic. Right? Because there's a difference between the outer person and the inner person. The same thing is true with Christian faith. There are outward signs. There were outward signs that we might look at and, and judge based upon. 
Say, because of what I see, I can say that person must be a faithful Christian. But it's not always the case. It's not always the case. The outward sign is nothing without faith. But that doesn't mean that we should neglect the signs. What it means is that we should take the signs seriously and turn to the one that the signs point to. Because that's the purpose for signs. We should embrace what the signs actually point to. But the outward sign itself is nothing without faith. Paul says don't trust in signs without considering what it is that they actually signify. That was the problem with the law, as we've seen already. They were trusting in the law without thinking about what that meant. They were saying we won't be condemned because of the law when the law was an instrument of condemnation. And now the same thing is true with circumcision. He says, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? That's one of those passages you want to try to read out loud quickly. Circumcision, uncircumcision, it's, it's a tongue twister. And it's interesting because it gives us another language to use than the one that we've been using already to distinguish between the people. Right? We've been talking about Jew versus Gentile, Jew versus Gentile, but there was another way of expressing the same idea. The Jews collectively could refer to themselves as the circumcision, capital C. We are the circumcision. We are the people of the circumcision, which means we are the people of the covenants. Because circumcision, since Genesis 17, is just the sign of God's covenant with his people. So the circumcision, those are the people of the covenant. What about those who are outside the covenant? Those are the uncircumcision. The uncircumcision. Those uncircumcised dogs out there. That's them. We're us. You get the idea. So that sign becomes a way of distinguishing between the two groups. Something you can trust in. It becomes a marker of identity. What makes us what we are is we are the circumcision. We are the ones who bear the sign of the covenant. It's interesting historically that what Paul is doing is is working his way back because circumcision came prior to the law. And when we think about the old covenant order, the law is what's first and foremost in our minds. But remember, the law didn't come until much later. Paul will dig into this later on. The law, that came later in the time of Moses. The covenant began with Abraham. That's going to be important because what Paul is telling us is that even the old covenant was not understood by the people who believed they were in it and were keeping it. That even the old covenant bore hallmarks of grace. Things we associate almost entirely with the new were also present in the old, if you had eyes to see. But that's the point. There were signs in the Old Covenant, but the signs were given to point to something. The outward sign was meant to point to an inward reality. The outward sign should point to an inward reality. 
That's the way that it works. Outward signs pointed to the old covenant and its condition of obedience. Once the law was added to that covenant, there was an expectation of obedience so that Paul can say circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law because obeying the law is part of the covenant. If you're paying attention to what the sign is pointing to, you'll see that that obedience is part of it. He says in Galatians 5.3, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Keeping the law goes hand in hand with circumcision, and breaking the law renders your circumcision void because the inward reality contradicts the outward sign. You may be circumcised in the flesh, but inwardly you're not. And that conflict invalidates the sign. The sign is nothing without faith. That's the point that he's making. The reverse is true as well, paradoxically. That a person who doesn't have the sign, outwardly, if he lives inwardly as the sign calls us to live, then it is counted to him as if he had the sign. In the same way that he says earlier, that that those who don't have the law but keep the law are counted as if they had kept it here. Those who don't have circumcision but live as if they are circumcised, won't they be treated the same? The inward reality passes judgment, so to speak, on the outward sign. He says, then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have written the written code and circumcision but break the law. Not only will these hypothetical people who don't have circumcision but do keep the law, not only will they be treated as the circumcised, but they will be in a position to judge those who have the sign but don't have the inward reality they would actually judge those who have the sign but do not live it. Jesus made this very same point in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew 12, when he talked about the sign of Jonah. He talked about the men of Nineveh who repented, the Assyrians who repented when the message was preached by Jonah. And Jesus says in Matthew 12, 41, the men of Nineveh, will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So what Paul is saying is is not only are you not better than them because you were born into this and because you have the outward sign, not only are you not superior, but on the day of judgment, like the people of Nineveh, who lacked the outer sign but had the inner repentance, they will stand in judgment over you. You're not only not better, you're actually worse, in other words. It's a humbling kind of a message. The thing that you were trusting in, you shouldn't have put your trust in because the outward sign is nothing without faith. Now, this also helps us see that the inward reality in view is repentance and faith. When we talk about an inward reality that is being pointed to here, 
the, the inward circumcision. That is repentance and faith. Paul is speaking hypothetically throughout Romans 2 in order to make a point. Like a person who kept the law perfectly, even though he didn't have the law, would be counted as righteous. A person who was uncircumcised but kept the law perfectly would be counted as if he were circumcised. But the point that he wants you to take away from this is not, so start being perfect regardless of whether or not you have the law or circumcision. Right? This is a hypothetical scenario. The inward reality that he's driving towards is repentance and faith. No one is a Jew, he says, who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. Circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. The new covenants that was prophesied by Jeremiah that has come in Christ, the new covenant is making all things new. And when you read these words, the, the first impression you have might be, it's making all things new, including what it takes to be a Jew. That's not actually what he's saying. This is one thing that hasn't changed. He's not saying it used to be invisible between the outward reality and the inward reality. No one has ever, and circumcision has always been a matter of the heart after other gods. And they never, because of some technical, minimal for the unrighteous. So this is a reality that, that Paul is pointing to, that the people of God are known by inward spiritual transformations. Serpent never to save. The law was always given to Grant when General Grant's armies finally reached the fortress city of Vicksburg on the Mississippi. Even though it was pretty clear, the very first thing he did was order a general assault on a bloodbath. And in his memoirs, he wrote to explain his decision. He said, I had to order themselves that they couldn't do it that way before they would settle into the hard work of the siege. Word signs. Instead, inward transformation. Always been people in Israel, in the history of Israel, always people who, uh, as the deacon Stephen 16, you read, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer whole that you may live. Jeremiah, who prophesied the new covenant because of the evil of your deeds. It's always been there. It's not just the Jew who is inwardly circumcised, become circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the bodies in the flesh. We are the circumcision. I said earlier the, the, the hard truth that not everybody who has a Jesus fish in their so that your fish becomes uh, like unfish as a result of your behavior. Smaller fish and, and that sort of thing. And, and uh, so there's a lot of social pressure to have tiles blaspheming because of the way I drive, you know? And so if I didn't have this, I mean, I'm going to drive the way I drive, and sometimes it's going to be badly, and there's no help for it. Righteousness, that's, that's Romans 1, right? I'm going to live the way I'm going to live, sometimes myself, but as I live my life of unrighteousness, I'm being super transparent with every solution, though. But you could remember that sign, and that sign could motivate you. You know, as you, as you lumber up your driving finger to let them know what you think about them, sucking the Jesus fish on your bumper and then living like the world. You lived a life of outward obedience. It wasn't always easy, 
but you can at least be proud of the fact that letting the sign dictate outward obedience. Everybody knows at work that I go to church. Patting you on the back, congratulating you, and saying, you are a good person. So there's got to be a third option. The third option is to go. This is a road marker. Where is this pointing me? Sign, embrace what it signifies. In 1 Corinthians 7, more uncircumcision, the way that we tend to hear that is, okay, well, the signs don't. You should pat yourself on the head and say, I'm a good Gnostic. Because what you're and that the spiritual is good, which leads us to see physical tense in the same way that in the, the, the sort of rationalist reimagining of the faith, the signs of the faith, all of that gets stripped away as well. Outside, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the church looks like. It doesn't matter is what's on the inside, we tell ourselves. It's a bit physical. He was fully human. He had a body. He didn't believe the physical world was evil. He entered in sacrament. He received the sacrament of baptism, administered the sacrament of the Lord. There were sacraments in the Old Covenant, just as there are in the New. There were just more of them in the Old Covenant. Decision is very similar in its importance, in its signification, inward grace, a grace that is promised to God's people, a grace that is at the inward reality justifies it. Maybe we should, as long as they could, to receive baptism. The Emperor Constantine, the first Christian emperor, the sign points you to salvation. It is the triune calls you to faith. It calls you to be inwardly what you have been marked. The theologian William Shedd, who we looked at this passage, he kind of divided sinfulness, confronted by their inability to keep the law. But there's a, a, a difference in circumcision of his heart shouldn't count against him. Because I have the outward sign approval, he throws himself on the divine promise made to Abraham. A little different, old and new. Abraham's faith had a lot less content than ours. The same way. Old Testament and new, it is the same. Look, I've been baptized. I go to church. You know, I do this. I want to be a good church person. Um, that's not what faith Faith is mainly about behavior, it's about appearances. It's a, if it's about what other people are outwardly until you're tested by the world. And the cares of the world swallow up that external taken. And instead of keeping them out of a sense of duty, seek Christ and seek transformation by him. Thank you for listening. You can find more sermons from Grace and information about joining us for worship by visiting our website at graceforsufalls.org. We also invite you to visit the iTunes store and subscribe to the Sermons of Grace podcast.